Welcome to the Australia Sews podcast. This podcast celebrates the Australian home sewing community and shares stories from everyday sewers transforming their lives and their wardrobes. My name is Louise Sherry. My special guest today is Daisy Braid, also known as DIY Daisy. You might know her as this cool chick on Instagram who brightens people's day with her colourful makes and hilarious twin videos. And if you're new to DIY Daisy, then you're in for a treat. We talk about her style, her massive de-stash, what inspires her creativity, and the release of her first published sewing book, launching in June. You can find more about Daisy at her website, DIYDaisy.com. But for now, here's the colourful Daisy Braid. Daisy, before we go deep into the sewing chat, what are you wearing today? And I, it looks like a T-shirt. So I'm wearing my DIY Daisy T-shirt. Oh, yes. And I don't know if you can see, I'm also wearing these shorts that I made. They're called trace shorts because I just traced another pair of shorts to get the pattern. And so it's a project from the book and it's kind of one that like would, I put it at the end because I feel like tracing isn't always the easiest first approach. I feel like you need instructions and you need shapes, but when you start when you start tracing things, especially pants, there's just so much more involved. But I also think when you trace a pair of pants that you already own, in theory, they should fit you if you add ease. And without pulling them apart, obviously, you're not unpicking all the seams and then tracing. You're no. trying to stretch them, them out. Yeah. And sometimes the first go isn't always great, but, you know. No. Practice. <laughs> Practice. Well, you've got a twirl. So your brand is DIY Daisy, which is also your Instagram yep. name. How did the name yeah. come about? I believe there's a bit of a funny story to it. Yeah. So I, I used to work at the fabric store in New Zealand at the head office. And in my role, I was I was a social media person. So I was the person that reached out to brand ambassadors or, like, replied to comments or things like that and I feel like this was in the time when maybe like sewing uh content creators or sewing bloggers were we didn't have any like influencery type ones like there was Mimi G she was probably the biggest and then Sophie who was Ada Bragg she was like you know Australia's kind of like like it girl and I think she I mean she's like epic she's just like like timeless classic but then um so I was doing this job and I was like, okay, I've got to start reaching out to influencers or brand ambassadors. How funny would it be if one day I became like a sewing influencer and my my neighbor who I sat next to, Nicole, she managed the online store. We joked about it together and I was like, what could your name be? Like, it could be like Needlepoint Nicole. And my, we were like, oh, mine could be like DIY Daisy. And so that was like this funny joke that we had. And then one day I was just like, I'm going to do it. And so I started sewing again and I just like started sharing my makes. I think actually originally I had a different Instagram name. It might've been D for Daisy or something like that. And then DIY Daisy just seemed to stick and work really well because my approach is so DIY. I am self-taught. And also that little bit of alliteration I think is quite like fun and cute. But now it's stuck so much that some of my friends just call me DIY. I also read that when you were working in New Zealand at the fabric store and the marketing team, um, that's when you kind of got back into sewing again. And there was someone there, I think, by the name of Stephanie, who introduced you to shapes, like the rectangular shape. So Steph actually worked in the store, in uh, the Auckland store. And um, I always, I mean, all of the staff that work at the fabric store are just like cool fashionable people like you know when you imagine those kinds of people that you'd see snapped in a like a a fashion week street style kind of photo they're always like that they just seem so effortlessly put together and yeah Steph was just she just had this cool style and I um I sort of like you know I would go into the store sometimes and I would chat to the girls and she had this top on one day I remember it was yellow must like a mustardy yellow top and I was like, that is a cool top. And then the next time I saw her, I actually took a photo of it and then shared it on the Instagram. She was wearing this dress. It was like a maybe like a really small houndstooth wool dress. I said, how did you make that? That looks so cool. And she said, it's just rectangles. 
And I was like, what? Because in my mind, I'd never looked at a garment and like broken down the pieces into what their basic shapes were. And so she sort of explained, like I used the full width of the fabric, I cut it in half and then I did a neck hole and I stitched it up. So I went home and I figured it out. I was like, how did she do that? And I made my first one. And after that, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I, I had never like thought that, you know, clothing would go together in that way. I always thought, oh, you have to use a pattern. Mm. So I don't know for her, but for me, like the fabric that we were that I was sewing with when I first started, like I, my options, I, I wasn't going to Spotlight. I was going to the fabric store. So the fabric was a little bit more expensive. And I discovered for the first time for myself, Liberty of London fabric, which if you know anything about Liberty of London fabric, it's not cheap. Even when it's sold at the fabric store, they have probably like, one of the lowest price points mm. but still, it's expensive for you know per meter so i didn't want to waste any of that fabric i knew it was valuable and so i was like i must use as much as possible so you're a diy enthusiast who likes to play with all sorts of rainbow colored fabric and stuff you find secondhand like your wooden tennis rackets or your vintage ten tennis rackets yes <laughs> have you always loved creating things yes i think it's been part of my upbringing uh i mean the house that i sit in at this very moment my dad built and wow. so it and it's always been in renovations as well so <laughs> we've always seen him on the weekends like working on parts of the house or he's dragged us in to help us carry up you know to help him carry something or hold up a beam here so he can nail the other end um when we, we were big enough by the way we weren't like five but <laughs> we've always sort of seen somebody making and building and then on the other side my mom she she was a chef and so and she had her own caf, cafe restaurant so like we've always been around people that are making and producing so i guess we, we were never discouraged from like when i say we i mean all of my siblings we were never discouraged from making or just like creating or doing things with our hands in fact we i think like we were really encouraged to do that you said your creative process normally starts with a dream or an idea. Can you tell us a bit more about that process? I love looking at pictures and beautiful things. Um, sometimes I'll see something and it will stay in the back of my mind. And I'll and then one day I'll come across, you know, a fabric or a pattern or something that sparks that idea to finally happen. So Sometimes every now and then I'll go to the shops and I'll go around the stores and I'll look at what they're, you know, what's on, what's being sold at the moment. And like at the moment it's big sleeves and I don't think that trend's going away anytime soon, but I'll keep that idea in my mind and then my next project might incorporate or be inspired by something that I've seen in a store. But I think... Um, and this, I, I think I was filming something recently about this idea. It's like many people sew because they can't find what they want. And when I say what they want, I mean many people sew because they can't find what fits them or what fits their personality or their personal expression. So I sew because, because of those reasons. I want to wear things that reflect my personality and help me express myself in a way that feels authentic mm. and sewing allows me to do that because then I can make those things myself. So I guess it's when I say like making the things that I dream about, it's the things that I dream about. Like you always dream about things um, that you want, but maybe they don't ever come to become life. reality. Yeah. yeah. But I think these are things that you can make reality. You want to, you want to feel like yourself. You want to feel comfortable. Well, you can make it. And have a go. I mean, if it stuffs yeah. up, who cares? Like you've you've given it a go exactly. and you've got another idea from that. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, even the stuffing up, that part is always part of learning. And I think that's so important. And it's also important to like be aware that like making mistakes is okay. I know we always say like making mistakes is okay anytime you're learning something new. But if you do that once, you probably never do it again in sewing. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully. I make mistakes. I, I sew on things back to front still all the time. Oh, and I'm yeah, like, dang it. <laughs> At the time of recording this, you have over 52,000 followers on Instagram, as well as a very popular sewing blog, 
sewing tutorials on your website diydaisy.com not to mention your first sewing book coming out in june called sew it yourself published by hardy grant congratulations on this amazing book can you tell us a little bit what the book is about thank you yes i never imagined this would happen but for me i've got i've got it here so i can show you the book is i guess like all of my ideas from last year and um leading up to when i wrote the book so it's basically all of my diy approach down on paper and it's for everyone i hope i i've aimed it at beginners but i've also mentioned in there that i hope that for people that have been sewing for a while maybe if they've lost their sojo or maybe if they need some inspiration they can open up the book and um see sewing from a different perspective and so it might you know spark their sojo or it might give them some new ideas whether that be for how to make something or just the color combinations but the book yeah the book is about my diy approach and i hope that it really encourages people to especially beginners to just like get excited and like maybe see that there is so much joy in this creative outlet that we love and then they'll want to give it a go and like lose a little bit of that fear maybe that they hold about trying something new mm. because the outcome can be so rewarding and fun and exciting mm. and not only the outcome in having new clothing items but the connections that you can make through this mm. creative that we have. I always actually think too it's perfect for people who have relied on patterns for years and have never deviated from a traditional pattern. Well, this is your opportunity yeah. to actually make your own pattern from your own body measurements. Yeah, well, and someone said to me the other day, it's basically like teaching someone to self-draft without saying the word self-draft. Doing it yourself and self-drafting, like they, they have, they basically mean the same thing. So in this case, it's like when you said with Steph, she sort of introduced me to this idea of using rectangles. I never imagined that that was an approach that you could take when making your own clothes but people do it every day. <laughs> and so I think it's it's a cool way to like take things apart and like look at things from a different perspective and see that there are so many ways that clothes are made, but in 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 like at, at the at the essence of it, all clothing is made from shapes. But maybe we just yeah. don't see it that way. And and even though it's predominantly rectangle for you, it doesn't look boxy. It doesn't have to look straight you know, it can have soft lines and drapes to it. Absolutely, yeah. And that's like by using gathers and by using elastic, you can do that. Rectangles are great. But I also, like I also say, like, while one shape is a rectangle, you will cut out other shapes. Like you might cut out a triangle to make a trapezoid or you'll cut out a semicircle, which is your neckline. So it's like all these shapes are there. It's like the back to basics with, mm. with um, you know, shapes. So you said on your Instagram that you never imagined your thoughts and ideas would be anywhere other than on your blog and it's blown your mind. <laughs> so how did the book even come yeah. about? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, I never imagined that I would be able to make an income from doing Instagram or doing something creative. Like I, I think a lot of people dream about having a job that they love because they get to be creative and they get to do their favourite thing. Uh, so that's that's kind of why I said it was blowing it blew my mind because I I did not expect this random email to come through to me one day um, asking me if I'd ever considered writing a book and had and you I actually no <laughs> never <laughs> my plan for 2021 was to see if I could turn these DIY tutorials into patterns so that maybe I could try and make a little bit of money from it just because there's so much. Uh, time and labor that goes into writing a tutorial and testing a pattern seeing if it works even if it is a self-drafted one it doesn't yeah. it's not just like put this square with this square there's so much that goes into it um, to make sure that it works for multiple people and is also understood by multiple people so that was my plan and then when my editor emailed me <laughs> those plans went out the window and I was like, okay, this year is dedicated to making a book. So they basically said, um, give us some information. We want to know who you are. We want to know what projects you might want to put in the book and uh, anything else that you think might be important. So I told them like about my sewing journey and about my family. And then they pitched the book 
and uh, after they pitched it, I got another email that said, hey, everybody loved it, we're going to do it. And then they get, we sort of make a plan, I got a contract, and they were like, okay, we want the manuscript on this date. So I basically had from, I think it was March, I had like three months to write everything. Did that seem like a short amount of time? Oh, yeah. In my mind, I wasn't sure how I could write 200 pages worth of writing. But I had been looking at other books that, I'd lo- that I loved from other sewists. One of them in particular was from Sonia Phillip, who is a, a pattern designer in the States. I love her. I love her um, designs. Actually, some of her patterns were some of the first ones I learned to sew with. So I was looking at other books and I said, okay, what do I want my book to be? And I thought it needs to have lots of colour, lots of pictures. So I basically had like three months. I sat in my pyjamas pretty much every day and wrote. I just wrote and I tested and I like, I was was kind of like in my mind, this whole like planning patterns in my mind and I was imagining how things went together before I would even write them down. I was Mm. like, okay, that, that shape will probably work like that. That could be a sleeve. And I was imagining these patterns like, coming together like puzzles in my head. It was very strange. I was dreaming about it. Was it stressful as well? It was incredibly like, incredibly stressful. And I was very lucky though. I was able to talk to three other authors from the Aussie com- creative community. So I spoke to Rachel Burke I my Instagram. I spoke to Katia Palaskis. And then I spoke to Sean DeAnthes, who was a, um, like a children's author and illustrator. And they all gave me different advice, but every single thing that they said to me came true. So Sean specifically said to me that at the end of this, you are going to feel like so burnt out, so like not like yourself. And that came true. And Mm. by the end of the year, after we'd um, done all of the like edits and uh, because basically what happens is, you submit a manuscript, it's all you're writing. No one at this point, no one else has read it. It goes through the editor. She does her first like edits and there's a lot of like back and forth. She'll go, is this what you meant? Should Lots I of red say pen. this? Lots of red pen. Mm. But then after that, it goes to like the main editor. And this person, um, her name was Eugenie actually. Mm. I don't know if she sews, but she was so onto it pulling up things that like she was like well you've mentioned here the right sides go together but you haven't turned this over yet so is this what you mean i was like is she is she like actually sewing these up as she goes to check <laughs> it was crazy and uh, but she's a pro, a pro. like obviously yeah, they're that's good her at job. their job that so she went through and did another edit more back and forth more back and forth at this point this is where i was introduced to an illustrator And then I had to uh, basically draw sketches of every step for each project and send it to the illustrator. So there's like multiple people working at different times here now. So I kind of sent everything off and then they come back to me and they say, is this what you mean? Or is this what this should look like? So that all happens. In the meantime, I'm at home sewing. I think I made like 40 garments or items to be shot in the book and like full garments, like dresses, pants, tops, everything. Different sizes or your size? Yes, because my models were different sizes. Mm. They were sending me back things. I'm also working. (laughs) It was like having two jobs at the same time. Luckily, my family would feed me (laughs) (laughs) and just like motivate me and drag me to go to exercise and do Mm. things like that and deliver beer. And then by, uh, I think we shot in September, and then October, November. So it was probably December that I got my first look at the like pages of the book all done. And then wow. I announced it in like Feb. So it ta- it took it's over a year, year and mm. I think mine was a bit like we we didn't rush, but it was mm. like we went we went pretty. Quick. You had a tight deadline. <laughs> at that time, actually, another another author from Brisbane, uh, who I met at the Finders Keepers Markets, she said. Uh, for a while, it won't feel like you, you won't feel this excitement or this like over like happiness about the book until I think you're either holding it in your hands or you can 
um, finally share the news. And she was so right. Until I could, you know, share it with everyone on online, yes. it didn't feel real. I felt yeah. like, whoa, what did I do last year? And then obviously, I don't know if you saw the video of me crying when I first saw the book in person, <laughs> but like I just shared one minute, but there was like 20 minutes of me like looking at this book, just heavy breathing and sobbing because like, I mean, maybe it's like looking at a baby for the first time, something you've spent a lot of time mm. making, a lot of your your love and effort into and then when you can finally hold it in your hands, it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Did you ever feel That's like great. an imposter? I mean, I know a lot of people when they get these amazing opportunities feel, why me? Oh, this I'm not good enough for this. Yes. I think I have those feelings like once a week still. And like I get like butterflies or, you know, those little pangs of anxiety like, oh, are people going to like it? Oh, did I miss something? Like is someone going to call me out for not calling that the proper word or, or you know, not telling people this or that? I have, I have that every week sometimes every day you know that's really interesting um, because that never comes across in your instagram unless you call it out yourself so okay. unless you've said i'm not having a good day or i've lost my sojo or i'm really yeah. self-conscious about my invisalign no one would know yeah no one would know i know well i think i guess um i remember hearing like sophia amoruso say that instagram is the highlight reel like you don't, you don't always show, you know, what's really happening in the background. Like so much stuff happens in the background that I don't share at all because maybe I don't think it's relevant or if I do bring it up, I'm going to have to talk to people. Like, you know, people just come through the DMs and they'll make comments on lots of lots of different things if I bring it up. So um, if it's something that I want to just like process myself, then I might not post it. But if it's something that I feel like might resonate with other people, then mm. I'll definitely share it. Um whether that be yeah. Invisalign or whatever. It's definitely a fine line, isn't it, between what you want to keep private and then what you want to share with the world. Yeah. I try and be as authentic as possible, like, and and show the real, and I, like, the realness, and I think that that's actually one of the reasons that my Instagram grew initially is because I was just showing what was so real oh and God. relatable, I guess. I'm going straight to that question now because, oh. <sighs> okay, so I was lying in bed one night after four hours yeah. researching you, trying to pinpoint exactly why people love you so much. And this is what I came up with. Daisy Braid isn't afraid to show her true authentic self. She isn't afraid to own her own style, like wearing neon bike shorts, or make clothes the colour of the rainbow in a world dominated by black and grey. She isn't afraid to dance on the street while eating ice cream or talk openly about the hard stuff, like losing her sojo for two months due to burnout and watching her body and smile change. So I think people love you because you make authenticity and vulnerability look easy for someone so young. For someone so I don't even know how old you are, and I've there's nowhere on your Instagram that actually says that, or your blog, or your website. No, I don't put that. So where does? Yeah, I don't think age, you know, age or relationship status. There's certain things like that I don't think you always need to share, or like your location, for example. But where does this authenticity Um, come from? Because a lot of people never achieve it in their lives and you've got it. I don't know. Maybe I have good cheer squad. Tell me, is it was it your family? Have they always been so positive and encouraging? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I definitely say my family has been incredibly encouraging. Like they, they would never say don't try something. And I think maybe that's why for them, like, calling me DIY Daisy in the morning when I walk downstairs for brekkie. <laughs> Do they really? But they, oh, they all, like, everybody, like, my dad and my mum always call me DIY Daisy. And maybe that's just because they're proud. But, like, I think they have, for my fam, I've got a great cheer squad. And then my closest friends and my, my online sewing buddies, they're, like, hype. They're, like, a hype squad. And so, um, like, I'll tell you a funny, funny story. So my dad, I didn't know this but he has actually been keeping a spreadsheet of my like Instagram followers from when it really started to pick up in like 2020 um, all the way till now. So he, he tells me fat, like stats. Wow. (laughs) He gives me stats sometimes like, Oh, you're growing at this, this rate this week or something like that. Not that follower count is the most important thing, but I feel like for, from the outside um, 
and maybe for, like for my mum and dad, like that's one way that they can see it's doing well. But I, I don't know. I think I've always uh, maybe no, I don't know. It's uh, that's actually such a hard question. No one, no one has ever asked me that before. I just I mean, your sister has anyway. it too. She's got it as well. We're, so we're twins. We've always had each other. And even in school, when we were growing up, we would like perform with our guitars. And even when people made fun of it and made fun of us, I think because we always had each other, we were like, we're okay to just do this. Even if people are, uh, do think that this dance we're doing at the sports carnival, or do think that this song that we sang was silly or terrible. Um, maybe we've, we've always just had that, like, because of each other. And so even though we're not like together now, we both still have quite a lot of confidence in ourselves mm. um, to share or express the things that we like. You have a support network, like you said. You've got her yeah. and you can share anything, I guess, with her. Mm. And she won't yeah. judge you for what your, the silly things that no. you do or the silly things that she does. <laughs> so. No. Yeah. So maybe, the, I think maybe that. Okay, so earlier this year you asked people on Instagram to describe your style. So here are some of the phrases that I pulled out that they used. Colourful, I think that's pretty obvious. Cute, cute is probably the most common word used. Retro eclectic, <laughs> fun and youthful but adult. Technicolour pyjama and playground picnic. How would you now describe your current style after you did that big overhaul of your closet and fabric mm, that was a oh I would definitely say it's colorful it's comfortable and I say comfortable because it makes me feel like myself and also because I, I can move and I can like adjust maybe happy and like since I did that I actually haven't sewn very many clothes at all and I've really just been wearing what I have and like making lots of different combinations with what I have. So I feel like from like after that D stash, I really nailed it in terms of like what my, what I want to be wearing. And now when I do feel like sewing again, I think what I'm going to make going forward is just more of not exactly the same, but just more of like that because I must be, I must enjoy it because I just, I'm happy wearing it over and over and over again. I feel like that's the goal. Did you end up finding a neutral to go with your rainbow of colours in the end? Oatmeal I think brown, it's yellow, yellow. <laughs> That's not a neutral, is it? No, I know, but for me, it is a neutral. And the reason I know it's the one is because most of my accessories are actually the same shade of yellow. So I've got a backpack, I've got shoes, I've got a beanie, and a tote bag, all in this yellow colour. So weirdly, I feel like it's been there all along and it's just been a colour that I haven't even, like, you know, considered. But I just, I don't know if I'll ever really be a neutral gal. White, I do wear white. You said you used to wear red, but you've moved away from it now. So do you feel like your style is forever evolving? It is always and everyone's always will be. But I think with red, at the time, I called it my power colour. And I would actually wear full red outfits and I really loved it. But I think actually maybe it was because my like skin tone when I lived in Japan was a lot fairer and so it worked with the red better. But here my skin tone has gone a little bit more olivey because I've been in the sun. And, and you live um, near the beach. <laughs> yeah, so I think, that, I think that the yellow, it's warmer and it just like, it, it like is a nicer colour on my skin. Yeah, I guess... I guess red is just no longer a colour that I feel like myself in and yellow I just feel so, like, happy in. Mm. So in January you did a massive de-stash of not just your clothes but your fabric as well. Did you find yes. it hard to let go of a lot of those things, the fabric and the clothes? I feel like I was more attached to the clothes because some of them I had experiences like wearing them or I had like made memories in them. And because that there had been, you know, the process of actually making that fabric into a garment. So for some of the clothing items, I felt 
like more attached to and I feel like some of the people like some of my followers on Instagram were more attached for me because they were like oh that's such a you dress like why are you getting rid of it and it's not that I was getting rid of it but my style has like evolved and it's always changing and so yeah for the clothes it was harder to let go of but for some of them I knew that they were going to people that will wear them and I've seen them already being worn so that like makes me really happy and then for the fabric I think because I like was also defining like the colors that I really want to wear by by letting go of the fabrics that maybe I was just holding on to because I thought they were pretty and beautiful and that's okay but if I'm never going to make them into anything then what's the point of holding on to them someone else could be enjoying them or someone else could sew them up so that felt cool to pass it along and some of those fabrics that I had were from when I worked at the fabric store so they were fabrics that no longer were available it's really hard to do though isn't it it is mentally hard to get rid of something you've held on to for years you love it but you just can't see yourself wearing it yeah and and I feel that way actually about a lot of like while I love Liberty Fabrics I'm actually feeling like maybe the best way for me going forward to appreciate them is to turn them into like duvet covers or pillowcases something that is more like I'll get so much more use out of it in that form than in clothing. Um, but maybe I'm just going through a phase where I don't feel like wearing prints. I'm just going through a phase where I really want to wear block colours. Maybe I'll come back to it. It's too late then. The fabric's gone. I know. But that's okay <laughs> because I'll just find, New I'll just fabric. find something else. Yeah. <laughs> of course. There's a bottomless pit of fabric out there. Exactly. So for someone who loves creating but hates accumulating, How have you been going on that journey then to be more mindful and thoughtful? It's something I've been thinking about too. Yeah, it is. It is hard, especially when I've made it part of my, well, I wouldn't say I've made it part of my, uh, my brand, but in order to create content, like this is something that sort of was like an underlying theme in why I wanted to do the D stash is like when you're a content creator, in order to have an engaged audience or in order to get likes or in order to get comments or in order to get jobs even, need to be posting new exciting content but that isn't sustainable for multiple reasons one is because you know it means you always have to make something new but it's always it's it's also in um like showing or encouraging people that like new is cool which is like that whole you know fast fashion model is like we always want something new and fresh but um so i i guess i was like okay i've got to change the way i'm doing this because for, for me, I, I want to be more sustainable in how I make, but also sustainable for my mental health. Like I can't just be making new all the time. And I haven't, it, and that was also because I was burnt out. I was like, how do I make content when I'm burnt out and I don't want to sew? So there was like all these different things. And um, instead of making content that's about making new clothing with fabric or whatever it might be, it was let's make some content using my scraps and I'd literally just made like because I just kept making these uh patchwork wall hangings and things we often get the guilt about our scraps because obviously you're creating scraps when you cut things out but you're so good at using up scraps is it easier than we think then to use up our scraps if we can really think about it I think it is like that you can do more with your scraps than just make stuffing so obviously it depends on the size and I feel like you have to make time for scrap busting because, like I said before, you always want to be making that cool new thing maybe to wear. But I have found so much joy in, like, reducing the size of my scraps. I'll actually – I'll just turn the camera around here. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. But those four baskets are all scraps. So the top two are all linen. The second from the um, the bottom is all Liberty Tana Lawn scraps. So I hold on to everything because I you never know when you might need it. One of my favourite actually ways to repurpose scraps is if you like pockets, if you like sewing inseam pockets, this is my friend Meg's, this is what she told me, Meg Handmade on Instagram. She said if you just like piece multiple pieces together, your inseam pockets can be pockets and because no, no one will see them. It'll be like a little sneaky surprise on the inside that you have this little patchworked pocket. I think it's also it's a good skill or like a good um practice to to take on in, in making scrap busting part of your like sewing time because it just it's sort of like more mindful like you know you're you're piecing a puzzle together in a in a different way 
and your it's like if you incorporate that into your practice of sewing not just let's make the new thing don't worry about the scraps if you go okay what before i make this what's going to happen with the scraps what else can i make from this so i'm holding on to all of my libby scraps because i am very slowly making a quilt very awesome slowly. and then the the linen scraps i want to either just make more big backdrops or like more wall hangings like patchwork ones or do a workshop where I teach others how to make a patchwork wall hanging with a back on it, like a backing and strap, like little hooks, so you can hang it on the wall. That sounds nice. You know what else I do? Um, I do. Um, so I've got ensemble beds. So I've got a bed head, and oh, even yeah. that <sighs> itself could be a massive, like scrap busting yes. project. Yes. Well, I was also thinking if I did the markets at some point this year, which I might do, just tossing up the timing and everything, I'd need a backdrop. So I might make a big uh, scrappy backdrop, which I think will blend, you know, which will I think will look cool with the colours of my book and like my outfits. And then also, you know, it has a little special thing in it because all of those scraps, you know, are from other garments that I've made. And so there's like a little bit of that sewing sojo magic in all of those little pieces. That's what I like to say anyway. <laughs> oh, it's so nice. All right. It's time to talk about Aurora and, okay. the, and the dance videos. <laughs> <laughs> it would be remiss of me not to mention the dance videos with your twin sister Aurora because as you know people are obsessed so where did this yeah. idea come from actually it wasn't it like it wasn't an intentional idea but I went down to visit her in Jindabyne she lives in the snowy mountains and I said can we please make videos this week like I want to make some twin videos I think it'll be really funny in my mind it was because I don't didn't have any other like content to make sewing wise so I was like let's make some twin stuff like people love a bit of a gimmick people love that little people love that so I was like let's do some twin videos together and I think we just did one we were we were doing a dance uh by a girl on Instagram called Kai Han or Kai Han and it went off it, I don't know what happened people thought it was hilarious maybe because it's like you know we're synchronized or because we look the same or we're wearing the same outfit but that went that one went so well. We shot that in January, and then I was like, "Okay, we got to make more of this." And she was like, "Oh, oh, like whatever." I had to force her. I had to really be like, "Come on, let's go." And then when I finally got her to do some, and then another one did really well. We actually had a couple of people, like one or two brands, reach out to us to do something together. So I, I always wanted. I've always wanted to like run a business with her or like do something with her. And so this is something we can do together and it's really fun and it makes people laugh. So, yeah. So, and is it spontaneous, like the choreography, or is it a planned dance? You know, you practice a little bit and then, you know, you work out who's going to walk, walk from what road and turn their head. Most of it is made up on the spot. That's why there's so many transitions because we just go, okay, let's do this dance move for five seconds or let's do this dance move for five seconds. But we do have really funny uh, like mess, like video calls together where we go, okay, what's a new dance move we can do this time? And we just like crack up laughing. It's so funny that you can have these like funny moments with your, your friends or your family over a video and we're not even in the same room. We were just like, all right, what about this dance move? Oh, what about this dance move? And we're just, like making each other laugh. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny to make them. The, the dance moves are usually made up on the spot. We're like, what's a new move we can do? Okay, let's do this weird hip thing. I don't know. Is, is this how you would dance at a wedding or is this an exaggerated dance? We, I would say this is quite accurate um, <laughs> in terms of our regular dancing style. But it's funny because mum and dad said like, oh, my God, your dance lessons as a kid have come, finally come in handy. <sighs> we did like ballet or something when we were like four. So obviously you can tell we're quite graceful from that. So you and Aurora are fraternal twins. A lot of people have said, oh, you must be identical. Get that DNA test. Yeah. Is that something you're going to actually do or do you want people to stop pestering you about it? Well, okay, so I actually asked mum about this the other day and she said when you were born, there was only identical or fraternal. And dad has quite a vivid story about how he remembers seeing two sacks and one, like two separate um, what are they called? Embryos? Placenta. Upper centers. Placenta. 
So he said there was two separate placenta. They look totally different. And even your umbilical cords look totally different. And when you were born, yeah, you look the same. But like I was bigger than Aurora when we were born, which I think is a normal thing for twins. But he, so back then there was only two types, whereas now there are so many other types of twins. Wow, so I did not know that. Are, uh, yeah, it's, I didn't either. But I guess, yeah, lots of people are seeing it. We are going to do the test. I think it costs like $150. And I don't know if you have to buy a like a separate mm. test each or if they have to go to the same location. But because we're not in the same location, we couldn't send them between each. But I don't know how mm. we'll do that yet. I just have to look into it a little bit more. But there's a twin registry in Australia and you just get it through them. So we'll do it. So I've noticed Aurora likes to wear a lot of black. And you, yeah. the only black thing I've seen you wear is that black and white gingham dress. So do you own yeah. anything black anymore? I do. I have like one wrap skirt and it's actually one of the f earliest me mates that I made when I lived in New Zealand. So I have this black linen wrap skirt and I would say it's my go-to if I'm ever going, <laughs> this is pretty funny. If I'm ever going on a date with a boy that I don't know like their style, like, I'm, so I'm single. And so I've like, sometimes I go on dates. If I'm going on a date with someone, I don't know if they're like trendy or if they like fashion, I'll probably like really tone it down and wear something really simple, like a black top and that black wrap skirt, just so that like maybe they can ease into seeing that I'm quite a colourful dressing person. I just to gauge, just to gauge it. Or if I'm feeling like really lazy or just like want, don't want to stand out or anything, I'll just wear that because it's so um, simple. It's like a staple skirt and then just maybe a black T-shirt. That's probably it. But it's it's not just like it's not just like my basic date skirt. It's <laughs> it's just like an easy. Where's that black from. skirt? I got a date tonight. <laughs> if you ever see me wearing that black skirt, I'm on a date. No. <laughs> and you don't make stuff like jeans and and things like that, do you? It's not really your vibe. No, I mean I would love to, and maybe it's maybe it's because I'm kind of scared to tackle something like a big project like that. But I think I've from maybe from a marketing side I'm like okay my brand is that I make simple easy things that are I would say for beginners so I kind of like stuck with that maybe I'm using that as a like a a way to get out of sewing more tricky things but I mean I I want to sew those things it's also just like the time that comes with it I know everybody has a job or everyone has family and things that they have to do but I would rather sew something that I can complete in like maybe a day or a day and a half, two days, than something that I'd sew over a couple of weeks. That might be changing though, because you know I haven't been sewing as much, so maybe I could t tr try some longer projects or more tricky projects. And I do this year want to sew a chore coat or chore jacket. Ah, oh, similar to the one you got secondhand. Yeah, the one that you wear to death. Yes, I love it so much and I wear it all the time, but I kind of want one that's like I'd like a purple one or a pink one, something to go with my colourful look. So would you come up with the, with the basic draft then yourself for that one? No, I would use a pattern. I've been looking. There's a couple that have stood out to me, like the Ilford jacket or this one by Paper Cut Patterns. But I just, yeah, I think it's just like I've got to find a little bit more time. I just don't, I don't have very much time to really sit down and like tackle something completely brand new. No, I get it. All right. So the collab you did with Kylie and the Machine, so cute, those little um, clothing labels. You've got some cute sewing uh, lapel pins on your website too, but how did yeah. that collaboration with Kylie and the Machine come about? Well, actually, that was – I actually approached them. So I met Kylie once or twice before, and then I also knew Lisa, who was just um, – who's recently – she was the shoe camaraderie, so she she had her own shoe kit making company, and I'd um, spent some time with her, and then she started working for Kylie, and so I guess I was ha having more conversations in that little world, and then when the book came around, I was like, what is something else I could release around the book that would suit, that would be like a little extra add-on that you could maybe buy when you buy the book from my website, or maybe you could have like two things, and I was like, labels, labels could be cool, so I I said to Kylie and her team, can I come and propose something to you? And so I went up there with my little hand-drawn sketches and my idea, and they they were really cool and, like, really um, received me really 
kindly and they had made cake and it was really cute and we had a chat and I was like here's my idea what do you think and they were like let's do it cool let's do it uh it wasn't a typical collaboration I think usually Kylie might you know reach out to an artist that she loves but in this case they were very um very kind in that they were like let's do it Daisy and so we sort of I made up some little designs and they were like yeah we like these like these five um turn them into uh like you know, um, illustrator files or whatever, and then they work on turning that into labels. The thing that was different about this one is I funded it, so I paid for all of the production of that first run, which is why it's only available now on my website. So they had basically they, they made the bunch and then they said, you need to buy this much. So I bought like 750 packets and then they had the rest and they sold that on their website. Theirs all sold out and I still have a little bit left because – there's only one place it's left. So I did actually have a few people that were like, why aren't these available anywhere else? Or, you know, why can't we buy these overseas? Or why aren't they on Carly and the Machine anymore? It's because I paid for it and I have the rest of the stock <laughs> here. So, and, and it was a test, wasn't it, for you to see how well they would go? So it doesn't mean yeah. in the future you might do more? Yeah, it was a test. And um, I will still have some stock left by the time the book comes around, but it will be hopefully a cool, like, add-on, like I said. And I think we may do it again. And they, it, when we do it again, it will be available for wholesalers, which means it will be available for other countries and you'll be able to buy them all over the world instead of buying them from my website where the shipping might be a little bit more expensive. Mm. They're so cute and people love a, a label to, you know, f complete their garment. Yeah. I thought, I honestly, Kylie, what Kylie has created with her crew is like, so inspiring and I was like I'm just so lucky to be able to do something with them because I really like respect that she's taken something you know from just being um someone that shares their sewing journey online and turning it into a business like that's what I want to do so yeah. yeah I would say she's like she's a definitely an, like an inspiration for me like I'm like motivates me in what I do because she just continues to be able to share what she loves while also creating a product that mm. sewers can enjoy so I want to be like that. <laughs> and is she based in Brisbane? Yeah, so she's like an hour drive away from me. And um, so I can pop up there sometimes and go into the, their little warehouse space, which is so cool. Um, and it's really it's really cool to be able to like see the behind the scenes of a small business. And it is a small business. It's like really cool to see behind the scenes, the behinds of the scenes of that. All right, here's a quick game just to end so you've got to answer this in one sentence. It, it can be one word or one sentence, okay? okay. No no rambling on unless, right. you, unless you really feel the need to explain yourself. One sentence or one word. I'll try. All right. What is your favourite happy place? My bed. <laughs> can you be a maximal minimalist? Yes, I definitely think you can. What are your soul colours? Yellow, pink and like lime green. Who is Raisin and why does Raisin mean so much to you? Oh, <laughs> Raisin was our family cat for about the last 10 years. And, I mean, you can't not love a cat. He re recently passed away, so we all miss him. But he was always hanging about in the sewing room or laying on something. But he was just a very fluffy, cute, grumpy old boy. <laughs> he actually made it into the back of the book. He's in here. He's just there. Oh, <laughs> true or false your dad once referred to himself as daisy's sweatshop after he and your mom helped you pack around 700 packets of your clothing labels true besides sewing what crafty thing are you loving right now light switch covers with polymer clay what did you end up doing with that kendone doona cover you got for two dollars at a garage sale i sold it on ebay for 120 dollars. <sighs> whoa <laughs> True or false, you once said that making bias binding is as easy as making a Vegemite sandwich. False. No, you did said Did I say it. that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think, yeah, okay, maybe I did. Because for, to you it must be simple and easy, like you could do it with your it eyes shut. It is now. It is now. I guess it's come with practice and time. What's your favourite hot sauce? Currently loving Frank's hot sauce. You can buy it at Aldi. You are a massive fan of elastic, and who isn't? It's so comfy. But do you ever sew with zippers or buttons? No. I am too scared of them. I will, um, I've always 
I know I should try and expand my my reach. But like I said, it's part of my brand to So Simple. True or false, your cultural background is Scottish and Maori. That's correct, true. If you could dress your twin sister Aurora for the day, what would you make her wear? Uh, I would make her wear a matching yellow outfit to me. Like we'd both be wearing all yellow. True or false, a past boyfriend once gave you a pair of scissors with your name engraved on it. True, they're very special. He just skipped the flowers to woo you, didn't he? Straight to the scissors. Well, he did used to give me flowers a lot, actually. He was very thoughtful. And when he gave me that gift on Christmas, I cried. <laughs> wow. Yeah. True or false, you and your sister Aurora have matching bobby pin tattoos. True. We Is were it... in a band called the Bobby Pins, so we were like, we've got to get a cute matching tat. Were you singers in the band or? Yeah, it was It was just us. We used to be called Aurora and Daisy and we just played guitar and sang. But um, we were like, we need a cool band name. So Bobby, the Bobby Pins, that was our name. I love it. Last question. What does okay. the future look like for Daisy Braid? The future looks like meeting lots of people in person, hopefully, and um, seeing creations from my book be made out in the world and hopefully people enjoy it and a bit more travel to a couple of states and hopefully over to New Zealand to maybe do some workshops or just hang out. And at the end of the year, a big rest. Thank you for listening to the Australia Sews podcast. If you know someone from Australia who would be great to have on the show, email australiasewspodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at australiasews underscore podcast. You are more than welcome to nominate yourself. You can also find me on Instagram at make underscore thrift underscore sew. Now, Back to sewing.